0: What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine.
1: Alright, right. How is it?
0: It's alright, I guess. I mean, obviously it's not really delicious like a pint from Beer 52.
1: Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers
0: from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more.
1: As well as getting eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or... An innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership.
0: So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight! That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is
1: a light option available. So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free.
0: Poor me, poor me, pour me another glass from Beer 52.
1: Cheers.
2: Cheers. Hi, I'm Izzy Sotty and you're listening to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs
0: hello and welcome to podcast secrets of the pharaohs a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the british sitcom peep show my name's tom harrison and i'm joined as always by rob graham hello so we've uh, we've taken a bit of a break, haven't we, um, since the, the end of series eight. If you are one of our patrons, you will have been listening to uh, some of the patron-exclusive little specials that we've been doing in the meantime, which has been a lot of fun. Um, if you aren't a patron and you want to check those out, then hit the link in the description and you can check out that sort of mini-series that we've been doing um, as we were conscious of the break that we were taking um, with with my wedding coming up and stuff, there was just, we needed to take a, a bit of a break and, and split things up before we came back for Series 9. So for everyone else, you know, apologies about that for the slight content drought. But it hasn't been too long, actually. Actually, no, it's been about, yeah, maybe about eight weeks or so, a fair while. Um, so appreciate your patience. We will be back for Series 9 probably in about September um, but if you're interested in those other little extra episodes, then do check out the patron. But for our first episode back on the podcast proper, we have a special guest, don't we, Rob?
1: We do. Now, this one's been a long time in the making, but we are delighted to uh, introduce the, the episode that's coming up in a second, which is with the fantastic Izzy Sooty, who, of course, played Dobby. In in Peep Show amongst many other sort of acting credits that she has, obviously we're interested in her in her stellar Peep Show career. But this one has been a real long time. Like we talked back about when we organised the David Mitchell um, interview, and for those of you who are listening to this episode because you've seen Izzy share it on on social media and you aren't aware of us as a podcast, then please go back and check our old episodes, we've got interviews with David Mitchell, Robert Webb, Patterson Joseph, uh, Sam Bain. Um, after this, you'll hear one from Angus Wright and um, Catherine Shepard, who play Angus in April in, in the show as well. But yeah, we we lined this one up with, with Izzy. The initial sort of chat that I had with Izzy on Twitter was done at the same time I organised the one with David. So April, May 2020. Um, and it just it took us the best part of a year with Izzy to sort of make our calendars work and, and line stuff up. And even when they lined up, it still took us about three rearrangings from from both sides before it ended up happening. So, yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing for this one. I think this sort of I love all the episodes we, we've done, but I think in terms of uh, the importance of the character of who we're talking to, I think this one ranks up there. With obviously the Mark and Jeremy, the the David and Robert episodes, but and the Patterson one as well. I think in terms of their impact on the show, I think this this is a massive one.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and also just key because you know Izzy City is our first sort of big like guest of like the female uh, members of the cast. Like Dobby's a huge like character, um, like a love interest for for mark and jez by the end as well um so it's fascinating to kind of get that perspective obviously we we we've spoken rob um mentioned earlier that we've got uh to speak to catherine shepherd You played april as well so we've kind of done a a one-two here of love interests um obviously as much as we'd love to get um had olivia on who's the first of mark's in uh, love interests um perhaps that, that oscar um ship has sailed um, but we've managed to in quick succession get the other two of mark's love interests um so very very exciting um and yeah just fascinating like you say we spoke to david spoke to rob spoke to patterson um you know the three three of the big male leads um so just refreshing to to talk to izzy um, of a yeah from a female perspective
1: yeah absolutely I forgot to mention of course that we did also speak to to Sophie Winkleman who played Big Sue so we have had another female a major female character from the show um, yes that we've interviewed who I forgot to mention but yeah I honestly I had I had really high expectations for this interview with Izzy but honestly it was one of the best hours of sort of podcasting mm-hmm. that I've that I've had like it was. It was so funny, like she had such a fantastic insight into the character of Dobby. And Dobby's one of those characters, I think, and we'll let Izzy sort of (laughs) take the lead and discuss this. But she's one of those characters who always sort of conjures up a lot of uh, conversations around the sort of character that she is amongst Peepshow fans. So it was really, really great to actually talk to the person who played her and get that. And get that insight. So I don't think I want to do too much sort of preamble before before we we add Izzy's uh, sort of interview onto this episode. Um, But, yeah, I just wanted to say once again, a a massive shout out to Izzy. Uh, Please, please, please. She brings it up in the interview, but please, please, please um, her book. Um, which is called Jane is trying has uh, has been released by the time you're listening to this episode. So please go and check that out in in all good bookstores. Um, and yeah, make sure you uh, let Izzy know what you think of it because it's it's bound to be an absolute classic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go and check out Izzy's stuff. We'll um, yeah, we'll perhaps because the the timing of this episode, we can leave a, a link. In the description to go and check out uh, her book so yeah do check that out and uh, and follow Izzy on social to find out more about it um, but yeah without you know much further ado um, let's get Izzy on the call cool and roll into the interview.
1: Well thank you for joining us Izzy it's it's always a massive pleasure to talk to members of the cast and crew and we we feel really sort of lucky to to speak to you as such a huge part of the second half of Peep Show um, a lot of our listeners won't be aware, but we actually first spoke to Izzy about coming on the podcast in sort of the early stages of the original lockdown back in 2020. So this one has been quite a long time in the making. So uh, how are you, Izzy?
2: I'm OK. Yeah, I'm a bit short of sleep, but um, I, I can't complain. <laughs> I'm fine. I've had the second jab. Um, Amazing um, news. I'm I'm going to try and milk it, I think. Like, <laughs> like with the first jab, I was in bed for two days and I watched safe house which was really good which patterson joseph was in who played johnson in peep show and he was excellent in it and um, i really enjoyed just lying in bed and watching box sets so i'm kind of hoping that i get a few side effects from <laughs> the second jab perhaps not as bad as the first jab but so i can watch the end of mary town
1: nice <laughs> now i yeah. i have to say that i ended up in bed after the first one but my second one sort of felt a bit i felt hung over to be honest on the second
2: yeah one. i actually i do i feel a bit hung over yeah that kind of almost warm feeling where <laughs> yeah you're gonna get a kebab basically <laughs> set
1: up pizza so
2: from i might get a kebab after this you know you never nice. know <laughs>
0: the ultimate cure cool okay well yeah obviously we're here to talk all things dobby and your time in peep show um so i guess just to kick things off, like obviously Dobby, very much principal character from sort of series five onwards as the kind of main love interest for Mark, right up until sort of the end of series eight, and I know you, you come back for the, the start of series nine, but things are very much sort of crashed and burned by then. Um so what was your experience of Peep Show before you joined it? Were you you know, did you had you watched much of it?
2: Yeah, I had watched it. I hadn't watched like every single episode, but I really liked I'd seen and I thought it was a really interesting way of filming something and like I yeah I thought it was really cool and it felt very innovative to be in the characters heads and it took me like a bit of time to get used to the fact that you can hear all their thoughts I think when I watched it before I'd auditioned for it um but like I think the style of writing and The style of writing goes so well with being able to hear the characters' thoughts, if you know what I mean. Like, I think there are other sitcoms that you could put into that format of being able to hear the characters' thoughts, and it wouldn't actually reveal that much about the characters. You'd sort of go, Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's obvious, or they actually have said what they meant. Whereas with Peep Show, they're so highly flawed, everyone in it is, that um, it's so good to be able to hear that that in a monologue. So yeah, I did already I did already like it. I wasn't like had devoured every single episode. Was completely au fait with who everyone was and knew every single storyline inside out, but I definitely really liked it.
1: And I think we found a real mix of uh the, the cast who've been in it, either some of them have sort of been real obsessed fans, like Cara Horgan, um, who played Aurora in one of the earlier... So she had said like she had watched all of it before she, before she joined. And then uh, we were talking to Angus Wright a couple of weeks ago and he was saying, he was like, I hadn't really watched it. Like, it wasn't really my thing. And then I got approached by Sam and Jesse to be in it and I sort of watched it to catch up. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think there is a real mixed bag. I'm really interested to know, how was... So when you joined the show, how was Dobby presented to you? She's sort of one of the most unique characters in the show, in a show full of really unique characters. So I'm sort of curious as to what brief you were given of Dobby at your audition.
2: Well, there was no brief in the sense that I think they were waiting to see what people brought to it. And I was aware that um, like, loads of people were auditioning for it, um, which is obviously often the case, but there was a definite feeling of like, they're getting everyone in for this um and it was it, like i read the script and what i took from it was that she was a bit of a misfit and a you know kind of very much her own person but someone else might have taken something else from it and there was no guidance given to me in terms of how to play it i was just given the script and then um kind of went in and put put my own spin on it basically um, I guess, like we all do in auditions, but I did feel like a definite um, connection with the character in a way that I don't always. And I also felt really happy with both the first audition and the recall, which is not a feeling that I always get. I often walk out and think, oh, I wish I'd done it differently or that didn't feel quite right. Or, um, whereas with that one, I did feel completely satisfied that I'd given it, that I'd showed them exactly how I would do it if I was to get it, um, which was a really good feeling
0: very cool and did you you know when you joined like dobby is enters i think the episode one of series five and then is right up until you know the the start of series nine so definitely one of the sort of longest serving characters and i think i don't know off the top of my head if it you're in every episode but it certainly feels like you're in the the majority of them did you know going into it that you know dobby was going to be this you know major character
2: no, not at all. Um, just went from series to series basically. So um I guess they didn't know either. Um I um they they may have had an idea that sorry you can hear the kids in the background. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it adds a bit of a <laughs> a bit of um ambience. Um like maybe Sam and Jesse had an idea of you know, certainly I think they probably wanted Mark to have met his match in some way. But I think to an extent, they're probably always seeing how a character, how it kind of works on screen and how it works for the whole, for everyone's character arcs. And um, so, no, I didn't, I don't think I ever knew with any series of Peep show, like, oh, I'll be back for the next series. It was kind of um, just do this one and then see what happens type thing.
0: Okay. So you you didn't really have an idea that whether you'd come back for a following series?
2: No, not that I remember. Oh.
0: No. That's a very surprising. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. I think
1: yeah. so. Yeah. Especially given that they were commissioned after series four, I think all series were commissioned two at a time. Yeah. So so Sam and Jesse, presumably, if it wasn't fully fleshed, at least knew roughly what was going going forward. And I think obviously with series five, like the whole of series five is about Mark's sort of quest to try and find his one, and that's where Dobby comes in. So, obviously, like they must have known someone out of that sort of <laughs> mixture of people that he that he courts in series five is going to come through and be the one that is going to sort of carry forward. And obviously, that 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 has to be Dobby, I think, but like I
2: suppose they might have known that, but I might not have done if that makes sense. So, it's not necessarily that they were thinking she'll be in it for one series and we'll see how it goes. I guess they might have been thinking she'll probably be in the next series or even she will definitely be. But I sometimes think as actors, you just kind of turn up and do the lines and then your agent goes. And then also they're filmed so far apart. Um, I can't really remember whether we did one series a year, but I'm sure there was a break of two years at, at some point. And then you've got people's availability. So it's weird because when you watch... When I watch a box set as well, I'm like, I sort of assume it was all filmed in like one summer or something. And then it's like, oh, actually, yeah, it was over like 10 years or whatever. So I definitely can't remember being told you're definitely going to be in it for this series and the next at any point. Um, And it may be that, yeah, maybe that that was known, but just that you're booked to do each series. Because if I wasn't available, like if, which does happen you know, actors pull out of things right at the last minute sometimes. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I think perhaps there's always an element of if if everything's working and if they're free kind of thing.
1: And I was just going to touch on that. Like, actually, when we spoke to Sam Bain, he said that uh, uh, Elizabeth Marmer, who obviously played Tony, was meant to come back for the following series and she was unavailable. And Rachel Blanchard, who was obviously meant to play, who played Nancy, was unavailable. So both of those characters were meant to go forward past the series they were in so obviously they couldn't necessarily you might have been thinking i really hope they give me series six i really hope they give me series seven but they don't know that you're going to yeah not and then and also swept you, off to... you
2: don't know because jobs come in right at the last minute but i would have always given peep show priority it would have had to have been like a massive thing to make me think about and then often you can make dates work um but it can get a bit icky. Um, I have filmed, I filmed damned and man down at the same time. I think it was two six-week shoots that crossed over by four weeks, and it was fine. But it was like a bit like, where am I? Can't remember which character <laughs> I am. And so, like, it can be done, but certainly not if like one is in Romania in a feature film, and the other one is like in Elstree. So yeah, it's interesting to think. I think there are probably quite hor- a lot of horrible last-minute meetings where actors are like. Ah, oh, I can't do this. I've had an offer from Judd Apatow, and yeah.
1: <laughs> and I feel it would have been quite a major rewrite to uh to take to take Dobby out. It's a bit slightly different taking Tony out, who is not such a major character, to Dobby, who is basically in every episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. I think I can't really remember when the feelers were put out for. If I was, I mean, I'm sure it was always assumed that I'd want to do it, which I always did. I mean, there was. Like they used to say to me sometimes, What do is there anything you want to happen to Dobby? So I suppose that is a hint that you're going to be in the next series, ideally. But I don't think you, I think as an actor, you're sort of you sometimes just feel on slightly precarious ground. You think, you know, if it's got to gel, it's got to kind of land right. It's, you know, sometimes there's an element that's just beyond everyone's control that for some reason when it's on, it just doesn't, the character doesn't quite work and doesn't quite serve the the show in the way that everyone wants it to. Um, so yeah, um, they did used to sometimes say to me, what do you want? And then I could only think of things that I wanted to do, like going to derelict buildings and stuff like that. So I don't <laughs> think I was much use really, even though I do write. I was sort of like, Dobby was like bears really i just played her. I couldn't think of anything that... It was like they covered all the best things that she could do, like the live-action role-play and the directions that they took her in, I couldn't have predicted. And I sort of just wanted to leave it to them, really.
0: Fair enough. Just on that, then, you mentioned a few things, like the live-action role-play. And Rob touched on earlier about Mark's quest for the one in series five. I think when obby does turn up i think the whole audience is kind of immediately like whoa like who's this that suddenly sort of landed like on the scene and very much seems like the perfect person for mark it's a kind of a running joke throughout the, the show, Mark, saying, you know, is she the one to many, many different women? Um, so we wanted to to get your take on it because we asked David Mitchell and he, he gave us an answer. And we also asked uh, Catherine Shepherd, who played uh, April, who we kind of imagine is like Dobby's rival. I know there's no sort of crossover between the two, but they seem like the, the two strongest candidates. Um, so what, what do you think?
2: um well I think I suppose from a structural point of view he it's better if he doesn't find the one because it's better to see characters struggling than happy um and so I think that's why you know why I mo- we nearly moved in together didn't we and then it kind of just didn't really happen and um he could see I was with a string of perhaps not quite right guys like Gerard bless him and um <laughs> Simon but um not not quite do anything about it so I think it would it would definitely be wrong for Mark to to find someone and settle down for it to be perfect I don't I think it wouldn't have been good for the show so uh that's it from I think from the from the show's point of view and then in terms of Mark and Dobby I actually probably do think that she was as close to the one as he was going to get although I think I really like the character of April and I love the way that Catherine Shepard played her as well. And I, I like the fact that she's kind of a bit more jittery and I remember her talking about mole mapping and kind of a bit more of an anxious person maybe um, that brought out a different side to Mark. Um, or, you know, fundamentally complicated and flawed like all the characters in it. But um, So, yeah, I guess if I had to pick one, I would probably say that... Um, Dobby is as, as as close to the one as he's ever going to get, but that I really think that probably Jazz is the one hmm. ultimately. I don't know if that's what
0: <laughs> David said, but he actually there, picked Dobby. Cool. Which he, Did yeah, he? Yeah, I think oh, so. That's
1: nice. <laughs> I think what what makes it really interesting is, like Tom said, when when Dobby first appears in Series 5, that it is sort of unquestionable. Like, this is the female equivalent of Mark. She sees right through Mark and sees, like, there's a line that she says where she's like, Mark, you're not pretending to be a proper human being, are you? Like, she, she understands this sort of, like, social awkwardness and, like, uncomfortability he has in his own body, which I think Dobby has too, but she owns it, and... We talked about this with David, and we talked about it with Jim Howick as well. How that's why Dobby and and Gerard are almost more kindred spirits because they are they are sort of social pariahs, for want of a better word, but are, are perfectly happy that that is the role that they play, and they don't really care. Whereas they are just the juxtaposition to Mark, who wants to fit in, wants doesn't want people to think that he is what he is.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like Mark sort of wants to be invisible and both Dobby and Gerard want to be seen for being kind of oddballs. And um, yeah, I agree. I think she kind of is a more confident character in that sense and just doesn't really care and says what she thinks and kind of stands up for Mark with Jeff really early on, doesn't she, with jesting a joke um, and stuff like that. Like she she I think she sees a vulnerability in Mark perhaps and and kind of likes that side of him that does just want to be completely normal but that perhaps as they grow up together that that side of him starts to irritate her slightly because he's not really kind of committing to stuff I suppose and kind of um yeah and nailing is trying to think of is there a term called nailing your colours to the mast? I think you'll know what I mean like he's not kind of like showing who he is in in the same way that she does instinctively really I think um so yeah I would say that's true Mark I I feel like everyone always says like they're either more of a jazz or more of a mark um I think that in some ways they're they're quite quite traditional characters which sounds weird because I think it's such a a a kind of a groundbreaking show on the whole, but I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, that they're that they're like the odd couple basically. It's like Steptoe and Son or two people who are basically lumped together, faulty towers. It's like you get two very different people and they can't escape each other. And I yeah, I think that Jez is kind of much more comfortable in his in his skin, perhaps too comfortable in his skin, um, than Mark um and mark but i think a lot more people i know say they're like mark because it's like it is hard to completely be yourself and dobby is unusual in that way and i'm not really like her in that sense i don't think
0: okay support for podcast secrets of the pharaohs is brought to you by manscaped the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels and manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 all across europe you heard that right the 4.0 join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code peep at manscaped.com so why do you need manscaped's lawnmower 4.0 well we've all got our own nightmare grooming stories about shaving our nether regions whether it's Nick's cuts and grazes or an unfortunate tale involving hair removal cream, it can seem like you're always a moment away from disaster. Not with the Lawnmower 4.0. After using it myself, it really does make a massive difference. It's quick, easy to use, and most importantly, I felt safe while using it. With the Lawnmower 4.0, Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin trimmer, with their advanced skin safe technology making you confident to shave your boys. So if you're like Mark and are worried about your testicles looking abnormal, the Lorma 4.0 can give you the confidence to do something about it and make your balls feel like a million dollars. So go on, start shaving your testicles like it's the most natural thing in the world and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PEEP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Now, I want to touch on, we're talking about, you know, Dobby's entire run through the show. And there's an interesting and quite noticeable shift in Dobby's personality. And it seems to be the moment that, you know, the catalyst for that is the Gerard, poor old Gerard's death. And there's a a real moment when she's talking about, you know, wanting to stay in, watching box sets of Flash Forward, I think it is, and eating frozen pizzas um, and then, you know, after Gerard's death, she's very much wanting to going into railing and wanting to get out and do more. Whereas before, Mark had been the one trying to encourage Dobby out and they completely like flip roles in that sense, which I think is, you know, ultimately kind of what breaks that relationship down over the course of that eighth series. What what did you make of Dobby's transformation post Gerard? And did you have much like input into that?
2: No, as I said, I didn't have any input whatsoever into Dobby's journey, I suppose. Um, I like, they, they, yeah, they did sometimes ask me if I had any ideas, and we'd sort of generally chat about it. Um, But no, it was very much like them writing it and me saying it. Um, What did I make of her change? Um, Well, I suppose. My feeling is that sometimes people can be right for each other and that they just develop at different times and want different things at different times and that the, the only explanation for that is just that it's to do with stuff like where they're working, how much money they've got and what else is going on in their lives. Um, and that it's kind of a pity if they don't want the same things at the same time because they were sort of destined to be together but it didn't quite work in terms of timing. Um, I think also she was like it was a massive deal Gerard dying and um you know I remember when we all found out and found out that Jim wasn't going to be in it anymore and it was really we were all sad you know including him and it was a big deal so I sometimes think that grief can kind of make you go like make you behave in different ways and either make you go actually I'm going to do all this stuff that I did want to do inside but I was hesitant to do or it can sort of make you do stuff that isn't really you, but you're trying to uh, distract yourself from the fact that you've lost someone who you were close to. So I think it, for me, it was probably a combination of, of those two things, really, that she'd kind of wanted to suddenly spread her wings a bit and, and maybe get out of, of, of the situation that she was in. And... Um, also that it's just a sort of sad thing that she and Mark didn't want that, that kind of thing at the same time
1: so obviously one of the things that's really discussed like we've just been talking about is the fact that dobby goes through this character arc and we go from her introduction in series 5 and through series 6 even into the beginning of series 7 and we're thinking we want mark to to make it work with dobby why is he being such an ass to her and the way he behaves towards her is is, is sort of is disgusting but then, by the time we get to series seven and the, and into series eight, we are thinking this isn't right. And I think because we see the 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 show through Mark's eyes, and Mark isn't the hero, he isn't a hero, but he is the the person we're watching it through. I think we see we see the change in a slightly sort of different way, and we are wanting it by the end almost not to work out.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It I mean that must be an interesting experience as a viewer to kind of potentially be rooting for Mark and Dobby and then to to almost then go with him maybe like his like see it completely through his eyes and just sort of go actually maybe she isn't the one kind of thing. Um yeah, I like it's weird because I, because I don't ever go on, you know, as I think I've told you before, like, I don't know what anyone thinks of Mark and Dobby because I don't go onto any, I made a decision really early on not to look below the line on any YouTube clips or, because obviously you, um, find horrible stuff and everyone does. And I just, I, I was like, actually, this isn't very useful for me. I'm just going to play the part in the way that I think I should and, um, and trust my instincts um so it's yeah it's interesting to know that 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 some people really wanted them to stay together and stuff and um like I always kind of I always felt that as time went on Dobby I think at the beginning she gave Mark quite a lot of chances to I guess kind of come up with the goods like she kind of laid her cards on the table I think quite a few times and he didn't quite he couldn't quite match it I mean I I always thought that in later series she she kind of built up a bit of resentment towards him for for not quite kind of having enough bump for or something and she was just like actually I can't be bothered with this that was kind of my my
1: feeling and I think that is Certainly Tom and I have discussed that on the podcast about which angle you're seeing it from. Because actually seeing it from Mark's perspective, you see Dobby basically putting off, wanting to move in with him. And you're thinking, come on, like th- like Dobby's actually being quite difficult. And actually Mark is doing everything he can to try and make this work. And Dobby is then being the one that's, that's holding it back. But actually hearing the way you're sort of describing it, she has put her cards on the table quite early on and aside from the fact that Mark is screwing up and, and calling her a manimal and like not standing up to her, his dad when he says whatever he says about putting a muzzle on your woman yes. and that sort of stuff,
2: yeah,
1: actually Dobby gives him plenty of opportunities. And by the time that we watch series eight and Dobby is sort of putting up these reasons for not moving in, you're right. Like There is just a level of resentment that was probably built up towards Mark. She doesn't really, she cares about him. She loves him but she doesn't want to break it off with him, but does also kind of doesn't really see it going anywhere and doesn't want to make that next big jump, which is moving in.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that sometimes happens as well in relationships, that you get to the point where you're about to move in together and then you, it's like what happens on wedding days, not that it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Tom. Um, but that like, or, or buy, buying somewhere together or something like that. Like when it comes to the crunch, sometimes people are like, Oh, actually now. And I think, so I think like maybe two things, like maybe she thought it was what she wanted. And then when actually he was like, come on, then let's do it. She was like, Oh God, m- maybe I don't want that. And then especially being British, we're quite bad at, at, at saying that, I think. So, uh, or won't well, admit it to ourselves so um can easily come up with excuses but also yeah i do think that like exactly him not sticking up for her um with her with his dad and stuff i think she's quite a patient and kind person and at the beginning has given him like a lot of opportunities to to kind of be like a good boyfriend to her um sorry i'm hoping you could... It's all right, he's being taken away. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, um, but she's, she has given him a lot of opportunities to, like, be a good boyfriend to her. Um, and in some ways he is, and I think they are kindred spirits, and they kind of have, like, yeah, kindred spirits is probably the, cri- wo- the right word. I think they share um, a similar sense of humour and similar interests culturally and everything. But, yeah, that maybe when it comes to moving in, she just isn't sure suddenly that because it's such a big deal to move in with someone isn't it it's like um so yeah i just wonder if she she's stalling she wants to either test him a bit more or kind of give herself a bit more time to think
0: it certainly feels that way and then when the, yeah. the new york opportunity comes up it kind of feels like she's been waiting for a sign either way and then the new york thing arrives and she thinks okay let's go with that because mark's not really offering a, an alternative as glamorous yeah. as new york and i think rob it's touched on it apple. earlier yeah about how yeah. mark really treats her pretty appallingly and we we touched on the, the christmas and the the comment horrible comments that his dad makes and mark just doesn't stand up for dobby what what do you make of the way that that mark treats her and do you think like dobby probably should have told him to kind of you know do one about a series earlier
2: yeah i think like i think she can see that he's scared and she just gives him i think as we said before it's like that resentment building up so it's like her giving him perhaps too many more chances than she thinks she should but i think she really does love him at, at some point um and so that can warp what you do can't it um but then having that resentment building up as well means there's a kind of toing and froing in her head between, and I think she's quite a kind person. I think she's quite like I think they did such a good job writing Dobby because I think she's bold and sort of doesn't care what people think of her in some ways, but then also is quite vulnerable and kind, perhaps too kind for her own good as well. Um, which seems like a bit of a paradox, but I think those things can coexist. And I think she also... Yeah, I think it's easy to forget that actually, you know, when you fall in love with someone, you do let them get away with stuff because you sort of think that you can see the real them. So I think stuff like him not sticking up for her and, as you say, you know, in some ways she probably should have told him to do one earlier than she does, in a sense, by moving to New York. Um, And, you know, when she comes back with Gregory, really, she kind of does reject him doesn't she Um, uh, like yeah I think probably it's just got to the point where I think often people do this in relationships it's like you know really that you should end it but you're really waiting for something else to do that Um, whether it's meeting someone else or getting a job offer in New York so it's almost like this thing of like sorry I I can't do it now because of a practical thing rather than actually
1: ending it Hmm. but Mark's whole take on it is really then Bizarre because even when I think it's before the New York thing comes up, he makes a a comment. He's like, I knew she didn't love me, now all I need to get her to do is admit it. And I'm like, That's not what you should be going into this. Like, he's not the one who wants to break it off for all intents and purposes, he's still trying to get her to move in. It's clearly Dobby that is like taking the gradual decline to. This, yeah. this ending, but then but I think that's approach to it.
2: Yeah, but I think that's what people do when they're feeling defensive and they're kind of self sabotaging. It's like a thing of like, oh great, I never, I knew it was never going to work out anyway. Um, so good, like almost shooting themselves in the foot. Whereas, yes, actually inside is probably thinking, oh my god, I need to really try, and this is. But I think that was a really um, great bit of writing that line of his because um it, it I think, again I think it's just something so British about it it's just that thing of like so yes yeah, so so self-sabotaging and um like yeah great I knew it was all gonna go wrong anyway and she's done the job for me you know um yeah it feels a very mark thing to, to say
0: definitely so one question that I really wanted to to put to you as sort of Dobby is one of the Real main, like leading female characters, is what do you think about Peep Show and how it represents and treats female characters? Because we're conscious that you know we're two men doing a podcast about a show that's written by two men that's starring two men, um, (laughs) but that we have a lot of women that come and go through the show. Obviously, Sophie and Dobby are, are probably the biggest two, and then you've got your sort of your Nancy's and other characters like that. What do you make of that that representation? And did you ever stop to say to Sam or Jesse or anyone else and go, like, I think you know, Dobby as a woman perhaps would or wouldn't do things like this or would take things a certain way or anything like that?
2: Um, no, I never that never crossed my mind. I just always thought that the writing, I just always thought the writing was so good and that the characters were so fleshed out and surprising and I just hadn't ever read anything like it before really um so no I didn't ever I mean like like everyone is really messed up and (laughs) really flawed in it and actually I found it quite refreshing that I think sometimes male writers are a bit scared to write female characters who are who are truly flawed um and um, I'm sort of quite used to reading scripts where, like, a woman will appear as, like, a girlfriend or a wife and will be, I suppose, the, more of a straight person to the to the man's tomfoolery or, and will definitely have, like, less flaws, will be kind of rolling their eyes, perhaps, and might have something that seems like... Um, like they might like things tidy or they might be obsessed with something or but actually that's just quite a superficial thing whereas um the women in this are like all so different from each other and all like yeah so technical uh, and so are all the men and I just feel like everyone got the same treatment and that that was brilliant um the only thing I ever the art department the very first time dobby appeared in a pub gave me a glass of wine and i said that she would drink pints and i think sometimes she did drink wine and sometimes she drank pints but that wasn't them saying the lady will have a wine that was probably them going we'll pour a glass of wine and not quite you know and you can say that um i like that as an actor you can sort of go actually they drink a whiskey or they drink this and that but you've got to sort of get to know the character a bit but I felt that Dobby would maybe have a glass of wine sometimes but would definitely have pints um some of the other times
0: yeah I I think it's one of the key things about Dobby is that she doesn't fit the conventional yeah like you say girlfriend or wife in a sitcom Dobby's very much I mean we talked about her similarities to Mark but she also shares quite a few with Jez as well um so she's very refreshing definitely.
2: Yeah but I mean you can't imagine Big Suze or like who Tony or (laughs) Nancy like which woman from Peep Show can you imagine in a sitcom like 2.4 Children or something it'd just be amazing (laughs) to do a mashup of like the most traditional (laughs) mainstream sitcom you can imagine and the female characters from Peep Show because I think it would show um how just how great Sam and Jesse's writing is really and how rare it is, unfortunately, to see female characters that are so three-dimensional mm. and so flawed, which is crucial in comedy.
0: Yeah. So what do, one thing I want to touch on then at the back of that is that there's this... I don't know quite what stage it's at yet, but I think it, it is going ahead of this sort of American reboot of peep show but with two female leads yeah. what what do you make of that and how do you think be that, that could to see work? It.
2: like yeah i think it's interesting with american remakes isn't it like they're remaking this country which i really love or they've done it now i, I, I haven't seen it i don't know if you guys have seen no, it i like, didn't know about that um well it's like i watched the trailer for it and i was like this feels so different from the original this country and like with the office i did really like the british office i wasn't absolutely obsessed with it like some people are and I love The American Office. And I think it's possible to really love both shows. I hate it when people are like, if you love The American Office, you can't love The British. Mm. And I just don't yeah. think that's true. Um, but I'm interested to see it. I know they tried to make... Um, I think they've tried twice to make peep show with, with guys in the main roles and it hasn't worked out. Um, and... At one point they were going to try and do a female peep show over here with me as Dobby and a female flatmate and we did a bit of development work and I did chemistry reads with lots of different actresses and then they just decided not not to go forward with it. I don't know why. So, um, I don't know. I'd really be interested to see it. I mean, I think it's worth a go. But I think people... It, when that chemistry works so well, and I guess what I mean is the combination of Sam and Jesse's writing and David and Rob playing those parts, it looks so effortless. Um, it's like everything works so well. And I think it makes you realise how, how how hard it is to do when there are remakes. Um, and they if they've got exactly the right people... Um, Doing it, then you never know, it could create a magic combination. But people have to accept it probably won't be that similar to the original. And I think once you accept that, then it can be a really good springboard to create a new show. So, yeah, be really interested to see
1: it. And I think it's interesting depending on what angle they. They take because, like you said about the U.S. office and the and the British office, we we have to just appreciate that like American and British comedy is just is fundamentally is fundamentally different. Like that we don't laugh at the same things that Americans laugh at. It's just yeah, we, and that's why Peep Show works in the in the U.K. and it works in the U.S. Like, don't get me wrong, we have we have a lot of listeners to our podcast who are American and they're like we we love it because it's it's cringe humor, but that just isn't the humor that. Americans, I'm 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 tarring them all with the same brush, but that isn't. When you watch things on American TV, that's not the comedy that that is predominantly there. And I think if you said, right, this this new series of peep show with two female leads, however it's done, whoever the actresses are that are in it, if it's going to be exactly if it's going to be scripted in the same way that Sam and Jesse's show is scripted then I don't think it would work in America. They did it with the in-betweeners. They literally rewrote the characters. But they didn't rewrite the script. The script was the same. They were basically the same characters playing exactly the same scenarios. And it just... It was honestly like... I've watched some bad comedies, <laughs> but that is that is up there. It's just it just what it just wasn't it just wasn't funny. And I think and also one of the biggest...
2: those four those four are so good together. Like, mm. I, it's so hard to imagine any other combination of people doing it. But
1: yeah, no, no. And I think one of the things they've also one thing Sam's done is he's he's writing it, but he's working alongside um, what's her name, Kerry Dunetto. Who wrote oh, Arrested Development? Yes, so yes. obviously he's not he's not trying to write two female leads, sort yeah. of on his own. Obviously he has a team anyway, but like he's he's got he's got that sort of that female perspective. If they're trying to lead with two female characters, yeah. which I think is 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 a is a good probably a good way to go with it, but. The last we heard of that was sort of May 2019. Like, it's gone very, very quiet. We did an episode of our podcast about it, thinking, oh, it's going to be coming soon. Sure. Like, it's in the works. And then, obviously, COVID's happened. Yeah, and I'm sure that's really... It's else. Yeah. on
2: so many things, hasn't it? Um, it's, um, yeah. But if Sam's working on it, then I'm sure it'll, like, it'll move as far as it can, you know, like... It's gonna get. It's gonna have the best shot it possibly can.
1: Yeah, and I just, I just hope that people don't go into it with the impression yeah. that this is going to be a, Good, female. a female. It's going to be. It's going yeah. to be Martha and. I can't. I'm trying to Roberta. think of a female equivalent. <laughs> hey, yeah, and, yeah.
2: <laughs> Michaela and just, no. Yeah, Mar. Oh yeah. There's no female version. Yeah, Martha and Roberta. It'd have to be. <laughs> No, that's his real but, name, Jez. Yeah. Jeremiah. Yeah, anyway, that's the man's
1: name. Yeah, but like if people go in with that, like the the one episode I've seen of the remake of Peep Show they did in America had um Johnny Galecki from The Big Bang Theory playing Mark and there was just something like he was playing Mark in the same way that David plays Mark and I was like, this just doesn't work it just yeah
2: i know it's it's like with the american office i'm sh- i've listened to a few podcasts about it and stuff because it probably is well it is one of my favorite shows it's possibly my favorite show of all time and um i'm pretty sure i might be wrong about this but i don't think steve carell watched like i think he might have started to watch the english office and then the british office and then gone actually I don't want to be influenced by this because I think you have to really own it like I I if I was in a remake of something I wouldn't want to watch the original because you need to feel like you're you just need to not be thinking about anything except the scene and what your character is doing and what they want if you're thinking you don't want to be thinking am I doing it too similarly to the original actor and you also don't want to be thinking I need to do it really differently from them
0: I think um, the, the thing with The American Office is that that first episode is essentially word for word the same as the English, or British one, sorry. And it, I, I'm a big fan of The American Office, but I almost can't watch that first episode of yeah. The American Remake because it's just doesn't work. But, but as soon as you know, their writers took it and ran with it themselves, yeah. the quality just skyrocketed. And it's, yeah, it's yeah, one and of my favourite sitcoms.
2: Yeah, they got set comes... free, essentially, didn't yeah, they? they exactly. got, yeah, So I yeah. think if
0: they're going to do this reboot i think it fundamentally has to i mean you keep the core pillars of you know the the point of view and the internal monologue i think those you've kind of you have to keep them as what makes it peep show but i think from there you kind of go and you know get creative with it i think that's what i mean about it being a
2: springboard i think Mm. it's got you i think if you go into it with an open mind as one of the creative team and as a viewer it can be it can go in directions that you didn't know and be really exciting. But I think probably the key thing is getting the dynamic correct between the two leads. And that's Yeah. That's the trickiest thing.
1: And that was fundamentally uh, alongside the brilliant writing and like the 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 rest of the cast, like Rob and David just had that natural like they'd worked together for so many years before they'd been on it. Like they had that natural chemistry. Sam and Jesse weren't putting together Two random people and going right. We need to see these people working. Like Mitchell and Webb were a a, a, a comedy duo.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Already, and they
1: they didn't have to work on that.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. You might know better than me. You probably do. If it was written for them, I don't can't believe I don't know this.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah,
2: yeah. So that makes a difference, and maybe that's what Sam's doing in the states now. If they've got actresses cast. I think probably um, in a slightly different way from with other shows, it's probably very, very useful to know exactly what actors you're writing for um, with this reboot because it's so intimate when you can hear when you can hear your main actors' thoughts, every there can't be a single thing out of place. It, it has to completely work between the two of them or it just all falls down, I think, whereas with a normal format you can kind of get away with having characters that don't quite work because you you kind of you're moving on you you don't you don't hear their thoughts the two main characters it's interesting because i don't think it would have worked to hear any other characters there was a dvd extra where you could hear sophie's thoughts which you've probably seen and um i think Colly is one of the best actresses in the world and it's nothing to do with her but I think the format just doesn't work quite as well with any other character. They could have picked um, Dobby. They could have picked Big Sue's Johnson. I mean, and you think, oh, it might be really interesting to hear someone like Johnson's in a monologue. What would he be thinking? But actually, it it isn't because you you it it has to just be Jazz and Mark. I think. I Don't think it works with anyone else. Um, and it's interesting. It, it, I think it's just because what they say is so odds with what they're thinking a lot of the time mm-hmm. and it's just so exciting to hear their
1: and that's exactly what I was just about to say like I think the reason they work and the reason that Dobby and Johnson and uh, like Big Suze I don't think really says enough particularly to to make her like to for us to really know much about other than the fact she's sort of posh and a bit snobby like she's not a developed enough character in the same way that Dobby and Johnson are. But Dobby and Johnson say out loud what they're thinking yeah. anyway. And, and kind so like their so internal the monologue wouldn't yeah. be as funny.
2: And so does Sophie a lot of the time really. Like Sophie's a very forthright character in a lot of ways. I know she's got her kind of hangups and um she's not straightforward, but I think that's the thing. A lot of the other characters do, are more confident at saying what they think. So therefore, it isn't as interesting. What would Dobby's in monologue be? It would, and then if it, you can then you can then think, oh, could it be just gags? Like she's just thinking about cheese in a meeting. <laughs> but it's like that would work for a sketch. That would work for a DVD extra. But it couldn't hold up after um, a few minutes. It'd just be like, yeah, we get it. She's, you know, it, the inner monologue has to reveal stuff the audience doesn't know. Um, and it has and to I think that's what worked well forward. with Sophie's. Yeah,
1: like for that one episode, and the episode they did it for was when she was building up to telling Mark. Yeah, that she that's was
2: right. That's right. Yeah. So why did I think it was a DVD extra? God, you know, no, it is a DVD so- extra. Oh, is it? Okay, it is. Yeah,
1: it is. So they they did it for the episode where they sort of end up sort of getting back together and sleeping together at the party, and then she goes and tells him that she's and he's like please don't be pregnant please don't be pregnant and she's yes. going in and telling him um just as he's about to fire her so in that episode for our dvd extra i think it, it's funny like i don't think i could it would be it would be so hard to follow if you had more than two internal monologues for a star. yes
2: it would it would it, I think that's that's it it's it just doesn't the format is that you hear their thoughts isn't it and it's fine, as you say, for that bit where it's a reveal, essentially. So the audience is learning something before the character does, which is always really exciting. But yeah, I think sort of doing it continuously throughout, which is why it'll be really interesting to see the female version, because yeah, and, and to see whether they will be, whether they will have the qualities of Mark and Jez. Because I think it's a dynamic between them that makes it so exciting to hear their
1: inner thoughts yeah
2: especially
1: sure. in the scenes with each other, yeah now sort of we were we've been dancing around talking about america and and the states and 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 all of that sort of stuff, and obviously Dobby disappears off to New York after the end of series eight. I'm sure I've seen, and it might have even been in a previous interview with you that we'd heard rumors about Channel Four exploring the option of sort of not a spin off but more like a little sort of a film or a series about following Dobby off to New York and how that would have happened. Can you elaborate on that? Can you tell us anything more about what was all, in the pipeline? All I that? can
2: say is that that is what was discussed. So at one point they were saying we might do a film. You might get to go to New York, and it would follow. And then, yeah, then it just didn't didn't happen. So it's not it's not very exciting in the sense that it. I, I don't know what the reason was, but it's just like one of those work things that, and that sort of happens quite a lot. That people go, this thing might happen, and then. And then a year goes by and you think, oh, that thing didn't happen. Like there wasn't any kind of moment of anyone going, this is why. But I think often it's just things get discussed and then for whatever reason it's not. I mean, I didn't know how a film of Peep Show would work. Be, I mean, I think if it was a feature film length spin off, that always seemed perhaps quite unlikely to me because it's like I... I think film's quite a different thing from TV and um, I was really up for it though, but yeah.
1: And also I think if you, and Robert Webb touched on this, actually, he was like, as soon as people start discussing specials for anything, it tends to mean that that's one of the first nails in the coffin of the end of the show. Like the office, like the in-between is when they've gone for specials or for films, it's like you're trying to kill the series off by by milking
2: it for all it's worth and, <laughs> yeah. yeah making it fill yeah. an hour and a half on a big screen yeah <laughs> yeah i i don't i don't think i don't think i could watch
1: peep show like at a, be at a cinema quite crazy be a cinema like, yeah. scene.
2: you know those people who find it too much to hear the inner thoughts and to see people's faces really close up so it would be so awful for them to sit on a big screen yeah so they'd just be, like on the front row like hearing yeah i think it'd send especially
0: those sort of the kissing and sex
1: scenes which are always yeah, so kind of full on <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Now we thought what we would do sort of just to to wrap up the interview is like we've got a few sort of quick fire questions and a few sort of questions from some of our from some of our listeners that uh, wanted to to ask you a couple of questions. So I think you've kind of touched on this, and I've, certainly a couple of things that you've said have alluded to this. Um, how similar do you feel you are to the character of, of Dobby? Are you a gamer? Do you like Manchester? Is your idea of a fun evening lampasander and a flash flashboard box set like? Is there any similarities? Never seen Flash
2: Forward. Um, I did. I haven't done any live action role play. I did do Dungeons and Dragons at school, but I didn't really understand how it worked. Um, and um, I love love cheese, I love Manchester. Um, but I think actually in our temperaments we aren't that dissimilar. Um, so in terms of like what Dobby's like and what her job is like. I am so terrible with computers, like I really am. I even think of going on a course at the library that normally like 70-year-olds go on about how to use computers. <laughs> um, and, and in those scenes where Dobby had to be doing any IT, I used to just press random buttons and ask someone who worked in IT what I should be doing and they would just like press control or delete. Um, so I used to do that quite a lot. Um but I think in terms of like I think I probably don't shy away from my emotions um I think I probably am a bit too trusting of people like she is I think I I think I've got that um kind of feisty side that that she's got I don't think I care I, I, I as I get older I care less what people think of me but I don't think I am as as chilled out about what people think of me as, as she is from the very beginning um but yeah, so some similarities in temperament, I think, but perhaps not in interest or expertise so much.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, so we've got a question from Steve Morano, one of our listeners, uh, and he wants to know about um, whether Peep Show is the thing that you're most recognised for, and if so, uh, what sort of interactions do you have with Peep Show fans? Is there anything in particular that kind of stands out? We always like to ask our guests this question.
2: Okay, Um Um, As the years have gone on it's become a mixture of a few different things I guess if if I get recognised but Peep Show definitely still features like heavily in that so it might be like if they've listened to something that I've done or watched something else that I've done it will often be like and I love Peep Show or you know so I think um, there are still some really big fans of the show out there and i also forget that it isn't like 1984 and things are just available in box sets so so students who are 18 can watch it now and feel like david rob and collie and i and everyone is sort of like the age we are in the early series and then like we're all in our 40s um so yeah, what do people well no I suppose I think when I was younger and I think this is also to do with having kids and not going out as much. if I was in pubs and stuff, people used to sometimes shout like Dobby and a few times they've got me to reenact Jeff the Jeff's doing a joke song but generally um I people don't ask me to like do do songs and dances as much these days. I think it's because I'm just not out drinking in East London, as much as I used to be, unfortunately.
1: Damn. I think it's quite funny, because, like, Peep Show fans, we were talking, I can't remember who it was that we spoke to, One of, another Carson, but I think it might have been Angus Wright, and he was like, Peep Show fans just don't have that level of, like, they will just come up to you and say stuff. Like, they, they just, because, I think, because we relate so much to the characters, and so many of the people that watch Peep Show, now, like, we're both in our late 20s, but, like, most people who are watching peep show are people who are somewhere between 20 and probably 20 and 35. They're looking at characters that are 20 and 35 thinking there are like, there are friends. Like we, we know these characters so well. We've had nine series of, of getting to know them. So I do think those sort of inhibitions of, I am going to come and say, I'm going to like shout one of the lines (laughs) that you say, like the Jeff's doing a joke or whatever. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. Um, And like, there are so many sort of, we obviously do a podcast about it, but there are so many sort of like Facebook groups, like that have got tens of thousands of of members, sort of dedicated to Peep Show. Obviously, there's um, I'm I'm guessing you've you've heard of them because they they're on Twitter a lot, but like Dobby Club, like the oh, yeah, like yeah. the Peep Show company that 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 sort of sell merchandise. I'm like it really the 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 history, the le- the legacy rather of, of Peep Show really has sort of lived on.
2: Yeah, definitely. And like Matt King lives in Brighton and I think that he probably gets a lot of Superhand stuff in Brighton because there's a big student population there and um a lot of cool people in Brighton who probably watch Peep Show and <laughs> love Superhands.
1: But I do think that that Matt is slightly different from quite a few of the other cast members in that he sort of plays on his role like he he goes and does dj sex yes or he, I don't know does. he does i, I haven't been
2: to i was gonna go to one actually and then um this is like yeah because obviously hasn't not things been going on because of covid really has it but yeah i heard that he was doing that
1: yeah so like i think he has sort of lived on the picture so i think sure. that's why like like on twitter tons of people and i don't know how often you get it but like tons of people just tweet peep show stuff at him yeah yeah, yeah. um and so he res- he responds back to it like with like with lines that he obviously had as hands yeah um but i think like you're absolutely right like you are like it's peep show finished what seven eight years ago um it's 20 years since it started or nearly 20 years since it started like the people that you were when you were filming it are so different to we what it you are wasn't, now like and none
2: yet- of us i think rob maybe had had I don't know I don't know how old Rob's kids are actually certainly David and I hadn't when I joined um then I had when my daughter was a baby was when I did the last series and now I've had another kid and that's so weird when I think yeah my life's completely changed from when I joined and I was 30 I think um the first series was 2008 so yeah it's very weird <laughs>
0: And just off the back of that, then, this is another one we sort of tend to ask um, guests is where is the strangest place you've been recognised as Dobby? Because we we had Paul Clayton, he plays Sophie's dad. He was recognised in a restaurant in Cape Verde.
1: uh, While
0: our last guest, we had um, both Catherine and Angus from Series 9. And Angus said that he was spotted after having just come off the stage in a Shakespeare role at the West End and someone just (laughs) shouted Angus at him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Oh, I wish I could think of a really, um, like at the top of uh, a mountain in, I don't know, um, far-flung country. Um, The only place that's springing to mind it's so unexotic is in a nando's on the elephant and castle roundabout <laughs> um, and i feel really bad about this but i was really really drunk um it was about two in the morning and i used to live in in elephant just off the roundabout which if anyone doesn't know um is a place in south london which used to have an elephant and a castle and a shopping center that's sadly been knocked down now but um uh, it's yeah i was basically on a roundabout in a nando's very very drunk with my best friend from home and then this guy came up and was like, are you Dobby? And I could, I was so drunk and I was like, yeah. And he went, oh my God. And I went, oh my God. (laughs) Um, And I would never ever, like, I, I feel like when people come up to me, I remember going up to people like when I was younger and feeling so nervous and you really remember what they're like. Um, And I feel a definite responsibility when people come uh, up to me um and that's the only time i think in my life that i haven't been like hi nice to meet you do you want a selfie and i instead i was just like oh my god and i still feel really bad about it because <laughs> my my best mate caroline was like is he like and i was like i'm really sorry i'm really sorry i didn't mean to <laughs> so yeah that's um so yeah if you're listening i'm I'm very sorry for mocking you um, in Matt Nando's. And um, you were probably just a nice boy from <laughs> London School of Fashion. Um, is that anywhere more exotic? No, I really, I mean, there's probably somewhere abroad, but it's not. I didn't really go to like France. Um, yeah. So, well, that's a good no, story. haven't had any. We'll take any that. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> you could do like what's the most, maybe the most kind of un. Unexotic place to <laughs> recognise. Nando's
1: on, on a roundabout. Yeah. <laughs> I, in fairness, I think uh, Rob said to us that when, like, obviously he gets, like, various things. He said he tends to get more, like, Mitchell and Webb look stuff shouted sure. at him than he does Peep Show. Yeah. But he did say he was, like, he he said that he was on his stag do actually going down, like, a boat on the Thames and a uh, a group of people just went past him on, on a boat going the other way. And we're like trying to get him to do like that oh. noise as he was going. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, but I, but like he, he said he used to live, I can't remember where he said, I think he said lived in Kilburn in, in London. And he was like, I didn't have any blinds on my window. So like people just used to literally walk past and just see me who by that time was reasonably famous, <laughs> just like looking, looking into my flat. Yeah. Um, so yeah Brilliant. i can't i can't I can't imagine it um yeah, I mean we' we're, we're conscious we've sort of taken up quite a lot of your time this evening, so, um, just before we finish, we just wanted to see if there was anything that is sort of going on with you at the moment, if you've got any projects in the pipeline that you can share, obviously Covid is knocking everything back, especially in sort of no, your industry it but- is
2: it's like, um, I am filming something at the moment, but I can't really say anything about it, which isn't um very juicy for you but um, <laughs> yeah. i think the script's absolutely amazing and that will be out next year and i will tweet about it um that yes um my twitter is at izzy Sutty. and the main thing i've got is a book coming out on july the 22nd i don't know when this is gonna go out um probably
0: around not, that probably time oh, that. Cool.
2: Yeah. yeah um so yeah i've got a book out on july the 22nd called jane is trying and it's about a woman called Jane whose life kind of falls apart she works for an ad agency in London and is engaged and her life seems quite sorted she's quite kind of anxious controlling person but she thinks she's all right they're trying for a baby Um, and then suddenly everything kind of falls apart and she discovers that her partner's cheating on her and she moves back to her sleepy hometown and it's kind of about her getting her life back together so yeah that is out uh, July 22nd
0: OK, perfect. Well, everyone listening, do go and pick that up and follow Izzy as well for updates on this mystery filming project when it gets <laughs> announced. We look forward to that. Um, but, yeah, I just want to say like thank you very much for taking your time. We did run a little bit over, so apologies about that. But um, it's been wonderful to talk all things Peep Show and Dobby with you.
2: Oh, thanks. I really enjoyed it. Cool. All
0: right. Well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know um, when this is going to go out. But I would say around yeah maybe like mid-july probably a good shout oh, to cool. be honest so um, we can yeah. yeah we can try and time it um nicely and stuff like that so yeah that'd be great
2: brilliant oh good cool. yeah that's great thanks it's been really fun
0: amazing thank amazing. you very much, you very much. <laughs> brilliant No <laughs> well, worries. perfect we'll leave you to uh, to get back to your evening then but thank you very much we really appreciate it it's been a lot of fun oh
2: no worries good luck with the wedding and everything i hope you get to invite everyone yeah thank
0: you very much appreciate that <laughs> All right, well, all the best. Take care. Take Take care. 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 Bye. Bye. Bye.